back. I'm your host, Brian Namushakra, and on this week's episode, we will be reviewing what Kate does and the substitute, the third and fourth episodes from the final season of Lost. When we open up in this episode, we see Saeed very much alive, thanking Jack for saving his life. And later on the episode, Jack admits to Saeed that it was actually the others who saved his life. And this again is another instance of Jack being able to let go and taking a leap of faith. In our Flash Sideways, I did want to point something out to all of you. This has been a theme that we've seen throughout the entire series, but we'll see it heavily featured in these Flash Sideways. When Kate is changing in the auto shop, she catches herself in the mirror. We'd already seen Jack do it in the previous episode, now we're seeing Kate. Now one thing I wanted to make sure you guys noticed is how Jack is interacting with Kate. As she's leaving to go try to get James to come back, he seems to really embrace the moment that he has, and it's almost like he's taking Sawyer's advice. By seizing the moment and showing her that he cares for her. And even though this episode is focusing a lot on Kate, we are seeing a lot of progression in Jack here. Jack has definitely grown a lot since we first met him. The way he interacts with people is a lot more open-minded, and he seems more likely to listen than he ever was in the past. A great example is when he goes to Saeed and tries to get him to take the pill. After everything that Jack has done in making decisions for these people, he's still earned Saeed's trust, and that's something that they established in season three. And even though Jack has made mistakes, Saeed still believes in Jack and knows that he won't do something to harm him. Next in our Flash Sideways, we actually get to see what happens when Claire meets the adoptive parents. It seems as though that has all gone completely awry and the husband left the adoptive mother, just like her boyfriend had done in Sydney. But this causes Claire to go into a false labor and they're rushed to a hospital where she meets none other than Dr. Ethan Goodspeed. And I really love how they're weaving in all of these characters from the island into the Flash Sideways. Because basically on everything that we've heard so far, this is the world without any of them being brought to the island. One thing I wanted to mention is when Kate catches up with Sawyer, they finally make amends and have their heart-to-heart, and we discover that Sawyer's motivation for asking Juliet to stay on the island was because he didn't want to be alone. And that was the exact same reason that Kate had for keeping Aaron, because the separation of not having each other needed to be filled by somebody else. And before we close out this episode, let's get into the conversation between Jack and Dogen. He tells Jack the reason he speaks Japanese is so that he has some sort of a buffer between him and the people that he has to make decisions for. And even though it's very clear that he understands English, he's really only using it to help set him apart so that these decisions, even though tough, will be easier to make. In his mind, it allows him to remain objective by not getting personally involved in everybody else's issues, which is kind of the opposite for Jack. But I do like that we're seeing different leaders on the island throughout its timeline. But the important thing that he tells us is the reason he tried to poison Saeed in this episode is because a darkness is growing inside of him, and that it's slowly going to infect him, much like it did Claire. And that'll take us into The Substitute, where we open up with a flash sideways, where we see Locke and Helen. They live a happy life together, they're engaged, and they're about to be married. Now, I really like this opening because it plays on your expectations. In the previous episode, we'd seen Locke tell Boone that he went on a walkabout, but then he was carted out on a wheelchair, so it brought to your mind what actually happened when he went to Sydney. The beginning of this episode plays on that thought, because when he gets home, Helen asks him how the conference 
conference went. We ultimately find out he went to go on the walkabout, but didn't actually get to do it. Before we move on, I wanted to point out that the signature scar on Locke's eye is not there in the Flash Sideways, because they never crashed on the island. Now let's go back to the jungle where the man in black finally gets to talk to Richard. I really enjoy that they used this scene to explain why the man in black singled out Locke. And it's because he was a candidate. And even though they don't give you a lot of information on what the candidates mean at this point, they're letting you know that this was a plan set out by the man in black. And that he specifically chose John Locke for a reason so that he could use him for his own end. So in this episode, we find out that the man in black is out recruiting. We don't know for what necessarily, but we have been told in the past that there is a war coming to the island and that sides do have to be chosen. One thing that I appreciated is when he goes to recruit James, it's very clear that James sniffs him out right away. And it's because he's very good at reading people that he's able to tell the difference between the man in black and John Locke. And the biggest difference was that Locke was always afraid. And this made me really pay attention to the performance by Terry O'Quinn in this episode. And this has got to be one of the best performances by an actor in the series of Loss because he's really playing a completely different character. And he doesn't seem to have any of the fear that Locke used to have. However, the man in black does offer answers to Sawyer and he's going to tell them why they're all here on this island. And while they're on their way, they run into a little kid with blonde hair that reminds the man in black that he cannot kill him. And you would have to assume that kid is talking about Sawyer, and he mentions that it's against the rules. This isn't the first time that we've heard somebody mention rules in Lost. The most recent and memorable one comes from when Ben told Widmore he broke the rules when he killed his daughter. But I think it's really interesting that the man in black's reaction to this is don't tell me what I can't do. Which will take us into our flash sideways, where Locke has gone to the temp agency. One little nuance I wanted to make sure you all noticed was that the interviewer was actually the tarot card reader that Hurley's dad had taken him to when he was trying to convince him not to go to Australia. So it's cool to see even minor characters having an effect in these flash sideways. But ultimately, Locke gets to speak to her supervisor who we discover is Rose. And she sort of levels with John and tells him that he shouldn't be spending all of his life focusing on what he can't do. He should be spending it focused on what he can do. And if you were to look back at John Locke and all of the decisions that he made in his life, all he's ever done is what he was told he couldn't. Even when he was in high school, he kept trying to be a star athlete, even though he was good at science and math. But he refused to do it, even though he wasn't physically capable of it. And he refused to believe it even when he was completely physically incapable of it, when he was rejected from his walkabout. So it's really interesting to have Rose come in here and kind of put it into perspective for John. Moving along, but keeping up with the theme of what you can and can't do... The scene between the man in black and James, where the man in black explains that he's trapped, really harkens back to how the actual Locke lived his life. But where Locke was trapped in a wheelchair, the man in black is bound to this island. And this performance here by Terry O'Quinn is really convincing, and it takes this character and kind of humanizes him. From the beginning, all we ever knew about him was that he was a black pillar of smoke. Now we're learning that he was once a person who used to feel the emotions that we all feel, and all he wants is to be able to leave the island and go back to his home. 
Now let's catch up with everybody back on the beach. One thing we learn in this scene is that the man in black is now stuck in the form of John Locke. And it's very ironic that they're having this conversation as they're burying the real Locke. And as fate would have it, the person who ends up delivering Locke's eulogy is Ben. This is actually John Locke's funeral, and I find it really poetic that he's actually laid to rest on the island. He's completed his duty and gotten everybody back onto the island, and he's finally able to rest. There's one thing I did want to bring up. The man in black has gotten Ben to kill two people for him. The first one technically being Locke and the second being Jacob. What an ironic turn of events that Ben is actually the one being manipulated by somebody to do their work. In our last flash sideways, we see that this Locke isn't as much of a man of faith. He even tells Helen that he doesn't believe in miracles. But what's different in this scene is that she believes in him. And that Locke in the flash sideways doesn't seem as scared or as angry as the Locke that we know. It seems as though the conversation he had with Rose really changed his opinion because he's not hung up on the past anymore and is just happy with the way that he is. And now in our final scene, we see the man in black showing James the cave with all of their names written on on it. 4, 8, 15, 16, 23, and 42. Each one of the numbers corresponds to a certain survivor of Flight 815. And given what we've seen throughout the series, we now know why these numbers have been prevalent. You don't have the man in black saying this is why there are numbers everywhere, but he tells you why numbers are important they are all candidates for protector of the island. And the main difference between Jacob and the man in black is that Jacob believes there should be a protector on the island while the man in black doesn't. And he believes that so much that he just wants to leave the island and not be part of Jacob's game. Folks, that'll take us into the end of this episode. Next week, we will be reviewing Lighthouse and Sundown. Send your thoughts, theories, questions to wegobackpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow me on Twitter at KinglordBrian. And until next week, you guys take care.